Blog Talk Radio. And we are back in this amazing technology known as Blog Talk Radio. Um, I run the board on the Blog Talk station, so I made a little mistake with my ham-handed fingers here. Coming in, rushing in from the street, I didn't really pay attention when I scheduled the program, and I scheduled it for just 15 minutes, when in fact we are on for two hours. So we are back. Chuck Moore Speaks, Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. Apologize for the interruption. Hour number two, we will be joined by Dave Johnson, progressive blogger, a writer for Huffington Post. You're welcome to join the conversation, 347-327-9849. That's 347-327-9849. And, of course, we're talking about the the uh, debate. Uh, I believe, and as I mentioned in my in my blog today, which, by the way, you can view at Chuck Moore Speaks, uh, it's all over. It's all over. Mitt Romney won. I don't think that they're going to be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. I think that Barack Obama straddled forth into the sunlight, and everyone in this country saw what they saw. You cannot spin that. The media can't protect it. Barack Obama has been protected his entire political life, probably his entire life complete at all, by a phalanx of adoring syncopants, yes men and women, and a solid column of left-wing lapdog media figures who have burnished and crafted an image of Barack Obama as somebody that he is not. And, yeah, I don't blame Barack Obama, of course, is a real person, and he's a smart man, but he is not this this image that the media has portrayed him as, and no one can be. I don't blame him for that. But the fact is that he has never taken on a tough situation, a tough opponent. I mean, John McCain was not a tough opponent. Hillary Clinton, I suppose, was a tough opponent, but at the same time, they, they were pretty much on the same side. I mean, they, you know, in the issues, um, I suppose, during the primary of 2008. And he never really, uh, you know, he's been protected. He's a hothouse flower, as I said in the early part of the program. He's a, a rarefied person living in this rarefied world where, where things tend to all be the way they should be, is surrounded by syncopants. And he really has never stepped out into the open, into the sunlight, and debated a real opponent in the field of battle, which is exactly what happened last night when he met up with Mitt Romney. Now, Mitt Romney, you know, is one of these people who is, you know, has experienced, you know, the brickbats all his life, certainly his professional life and his business life. He has experienced adversity. I mean, he certainly did as governor of Massachusetts. You know, I'll I'll never forget seeing Mitt Romney speak um, at the State of the State Address. I actually attended it in Massachusetts. And you saw, you know, all the Democrats sitting there scowling and, 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 uh, like, never clapping and sitting on their hands. And and you could, you know, the room was, uh, the atmosphere was, was really negative, and Mitt Romney was just fine. You know, he just went on. He he would do what he did. He knows how to deal with adversity. He's been there. 
you know, both as governor and in business. And Barack Obama doesn't. Barack Obama is sheltered, and he now finally has come out, and we've seen who he is. The media cannot spin that. They can That's the beauty of these debates. You see two people get up, man to man or man to woman, as it were, and you get to see who they are. And this particular format was very good for Mitt Romney because it wasn't this phony thing where they each answer questions and you have to hear from a bunch of nincompoops. This was a situation where the two of them went back to forth, and it was a real battle. It was high drama. And I think that what we saw is, you know, as I said, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. We saw that Barack Obama truly is a man of the left. Now, of course, left-wingers may think that's great, but most left-wingers who are reasonably sophisticated understand that the American people don't support that, they don't want it, and, you know, it's better to be a little bit more chameleon-like, to, to hide it rather than put it out there and have to answer to it because it's not popular stuff. Nobody wants to have taxes raised. Nobody wants to have regulation that are against business. Obamacare is not popular. It has never polled well. And people have a sense of dread over it. It's not a good issue for him. You know, in this, and Mitt Romney just basically said it right. In this economy, you know, to have a to, to implement a program like that, where you're going to have all of these tax increases on business, eventually a direct mandate on on people, it's not going to be popular. This isn't something that that people are going to embrace, and 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 for good reason. It's not a, it's not healthy in a, in a free system to have a national system imposed like that. Mitt Romney, I think, handled very deftly the business of um, Massachusetts's health care, which he completely embraced. And he, I was very proud and pleased to see him embrace his governorship of Massachusetts. That was really heartening because he had backed away from it before. I think that Mitt Romney actually might pick up some votes and some percentage points in Massachusetts for having done that. I think it made Massachusetts citizens feel proud. And, you know, wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be, oh, wouldn't it be incredible? It's never going to happen. But it would be, wouldn't it be amazing, amazing thing if uh, if Mitt Romney actually carried Massachusetts? Oh, I could just see, Deval, I, I, would, I would pay any price I would just, to get to see Deval Patrick's face when that news came in over the wire. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, you know, there were several points that, that Romney brought up that I think I'm glad he did and that they're obvious. There are things I would have also liked to have seen him bring up, but probably just as well he didn't. But they were basic themes. You know, the economy is bad. We have an increase in poverty. I think that's why Barack Obama was a little reticent about throwing up that 47% thing because – Mitt Romney could say, you know, let's. you want to talk about poverty? You want to talk about people that are disenfranchised? Let's take a look, take a look at, at your policies over the past four years. This isn't about George Bush. It's not about William Tell. It's not about Grover Cleveland. 
This is about your policies and to the degree that they contributed to an increase and an expansion in poverty. Mitt Romney laid that out in no uncertain terms anyways, and he used solid evidence to prove it. The highest unemployment levels since before World War II, an increase in food stamps that's unprecedented, that's a clear sign that people are not making enough or that they're unemployed or that they're poor, a, uh, an increase in uh, you know, a lack of energy in the business sector, and especially in small business, which Mitt Romney is championing, um, and, and just a general sense, as Jimmy Carter said, of malaise in the country. Jimmy Carter was right back then, and it's happening again. And yet Barack Obama basically responded to this criticism by saying, well, if you elect me, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll take on China. Really? How come he hasn't done it in four years? How come our deficit with China is bigger than ever now? He's had four years to do these things that he's now talking about finally within a, you know, a month or two before an election. Why should anybody believe that he's going to do it? And even if he wanted to do it, the question is, can he do anything effectively? He's been the most partisan president, the most divisive president in modern times. That's why Congress is paralyzed, not because of the Republicans, as my former co-host used to say. You know, I mean, we could look at, you know, he talks about Bill Clinton. Well, Bill Clinton worked with Newt Gingrich after Gingrich became Speaker of the House. You know, and literally spent met with him every week in the White House. Gingrich would come over. There was like legends about how they would they would sit down in the Oval Office for a little photo op, and there'd, there'd be photographers and reporters. And once they cleared everybody out of the room and they were alone together, the two of them would dive into the cookie dish. You know, I mean, they they would. Uh, but the point is that they would sit there and hash out issues. And, um, you know, while they certainly didn't agree on a lot of things, they were able to get a great deal of accomplishment in terms of new laws and legislative reform. Same thing with Ronald Reagan and Newt Gingrich. And not Newt Gingrich, same thing with Ronald Reagan and uh, and Tip O'Neill. You know, these were very opposite people representing very opposite points of view, and yet they were able to work together and get various reforms passed. I mean, we could go back in history. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower and, and Everett Dirksen. Uh, you know, I mean, John Quincy Adams and Henry Clay. I mean, this isn't new. You know, this is um, it, it's part of leadership. But Barack Obama hasn't done it. And Mitt Romney pointed out that uh, this is one of the problems with Obamacare. The fact that he did not work at all with Republicans. Instead, he passed it without a single Republican vote. That's not how you do it. And this is before the Tea Party, by the way. Uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it didn't fly. It, it just didn't register well. So I think that it looks to me like, not just from a stylistic standpoint, which I think certainly Mitt Romney did win this debate, but on an issues standpoint, we now have a clear contrast between two opposing political figures, p 
political ideologies, political philosophies, and political styles. And it just looks to me like um, the voters are now going to have a clear choice, which is a great thing. It's historic, actually. And um, we're going to see how it goes. I think that um, we'll, we'll see in, in the coming days, but I believe that um, that Mitt Romney is going to take a commanding lead. Um, I think he now has the momentum. Uh, he seemed to enjoy the prospect of finally getting out there and responding to some of these absurd lies that have been spread about him and his program. This this ridiculous remark that, that Obama has continued to mouth and that I have heard uh, repeatedly on this program by liberals, almost syncopantically, actually, that, that Mitt Romney wants to raise taxes by, by trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. It's ridiculous. And Romney seems to enjoy the opportunity to say that. I mean, of course, Romney is very polite about it. He didn't call Obama a liar. He didn't say these were lies. He just simply said that those charges are inaccurate. And they are. You know, and there were a couple of other moments like that as well, where Obama was spouting basically the same cliches that I've been hearing on this program over the past year or so, uh, the, the, these talking points, you know, that that the Republicans and, and, and Mitt Romney is going to do this, that, and the other thing. And Romney was able to stand up and say, no, that's that's false. I don't plan to do anything of the kind. Uh, I think that there were two points that I was really pleased that Mitt Romney raised. The first was his ability as governor of Massachusetts, and it was thrilling to me to see finally Mitt Romney take ownership of having been governor of Massachusetts. You know, he had been reluctant to own that in the past, and that, that was a disappointment. He's now openly proud of being having been governor of Massachusetts, and he should be. It was a great governorship. He should own it and, and speak of it in, in high terms. It's a big part of his resume. He pointed out that he would meet every Monday with the uh, Democrat leadership in the State House in a meeting in his office, and they would spend hours together going over the legislative agenda and coming up with compromises and figuring out how to uh, to get things done. I mean, that's how you do it. I mean, he was the governor of a state where over 80% of the legislators were Democrats. I think it was something like 87 or 88%. And yet he was able to move things forward very well. You know, he was able to compromise. Isn't that what we need? In Washington right now, you know, we hear people complaining about the so-called gridlock. I heard my rabbi give a sermon about this, gridlock. Well, whose fault is that? It's Barack Obama's fault. He's the most partisan president in modern history. He hasn't done any deals with the uh, the Republican leadership. He has not really spoken to John Boehner at all. They, they've had maybe one or two meetings since Boehner has become a speaker. And they've been very testy and terse meetings, you know. So he's, you know, he's arrogant. He's, uh, he, and, and plus, I think that Barack Obama miscalculated when he thought, well, I could run 
against Congress and blame Congress for this, um, which is something that, other than his immediate ideological cohorts, most people don't believe. You know, it, it's sort of a, a situation of it's his word against theirs, and people don't necessarily believe Obama. I think a lot of people believe Obama is not uh, really being forthright uh, on that issue. The second thing that I was pleased to find out to, to see Obama raise, or Obama, I mean Romney raise, was Sarah Palin's death panels. It's about time that this has been brought up, the boards that are going to make decisions, these unappointed boards, which will be making decisions about people's personal health care or about public health policy. You know, Obama could kind of step around it a little bit by saying, well, it's not going to be people's personal health care. It's going to be health care policy. But even then, do we want to have this unelected board deciding health care policy? Wouldn't it be better to go to uh, to get whatever health care you want as an intelligent person to be able to choose your own health care? Isn't there something troubling, even chilling, about the idea of a government agency deciding such matters? I think so. I think most Americans think so. And I think that Mitt Romney did a very good job of bringing this up and raising it as an issue. I only hope that uh, it's going to be continued and carried along by others in this campaign. If that becomes a focus of conversation, then that can only be a positive. It can only be something that presents an opportunity for all of us to learn. So what say you listeners to Blog Talk Radio? What do you think about the debate? Do you look at it in the same way I do, which is as a pivotal turning point in this campaign? Uh, let's see what's going on in the Drudge Report. <laughs> it, uh, there's a good picture up there with Mitt Romney looking at his notes while while Obama and, and, and Michelle sort of look, look kind of sternly at him. Oh, boy, here we go. Networks and AP cancel exit polls in 19 states. Hmm. I wonder what that's all about. Um, ah, boy, I'll tell you, Obama didn't have his teleprompter. That was a big problem. Networks and AP cancel exit polls. I don't know, maybe that's a good thing. Uh, breaking from two decades of tradition, this year's election exit poll is set to include surveys of voters in 31 states, not all 50, as it has for the past five presidential elections, according to multiple people involved in the planning. Um, Dan, Dan Merkel, director of elections for ABC News and a member of the consortium that runs the exit poll, confirmed the shift Wednesday. The aim, he said, is to still deliver a quality product in the most important states in the face of mounting survey costs. The National Election Pool, a joint venture of the major television networks and the Associated Press, has not announced the states that won't be included, but the decision is sure to cause some pain to election watchers across the country. I don't know if I see any particular conspiracy there, <laughs> but... Um, Maybe they don't really want to get, you know, they're afraid that um, 
it, it could augur poorly for their guy. I don't know, that being Obama. Uh, there's a pretty good map there which shows um, how polling is going at this point. It shows Mitt Romney ahead in the solid south, um, except for Florida, which is a toss-up. And I think today's uh, Rasmussen poll puts North Carolina convincingly in the the Romney camp. Um, Virginia is still a toss-up, but we might see some movement there. Um, And then, of course, Romney picks up, moving north, he picks up Kentucky, West Virginia, and Indiana. And then up in the northeast, you still have New Hampshire as a toss-up, and Wisconsin and Iowa are toss-ups, although my understanding is that Iowa actually moved slightly in the Romney camp in the last Rasmussen poll. Um, Missouri is leaning toward Romney. I think today's Rasmussen has Missouri solidly in the uh, in the Romney camp. Let me just check that. This is today's Rasmussen. Um, it, it still has Romney behind. It says, uh, oh, Missouri, Romney 49, Obama 46. So that's that's a pretty good lead, but it's still in the margin of error. Um, North Carolina, Romney 51, Obama 47. That's uh, Romney outside the margin of error. So that means that Romney has moved ahead decisively in North Carolina. Uh, although the uh, polling still has Romney behind in the swing states um, by six points, which is not good news, but Again, I mean, it's still early. This polling, this poll was basically done yesterday before the debate. I think the more interesting poll will be the one we see tomorrow, if there was any movement. And, of course, the daily presidential poll has Obama 49, Romney 47, which is not good news, but yet it's still in the margin of error. What's not good about it is that it means that the undecided vote has shrunk, and undecideds are always to the benefit of the um, of the challenger. Getting back to the electoral map, um, you've got Romney decisively ahead in the Plains states, including Texas, which is huge. And then right up through Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and the Dakotas. And then in the West, he has, um, he has Wyoming, Montana, Idaho, and Utah, and of course, Alaska. Now, Arizona is is leaning Romney. Um, Colorado and Nevada are toss-up states. New Mexico is leaning uh, Obama. The only states in the West that Obama has a solid lock on at this point are not insignificant. They are California, Oregon, and Washington, and also, of course, Hawaii. In the Midwest, you've got it's, it lists Minnesota as a solid Obama state, although I believe there have been polls that show that it's actually a toss-up, but we shall see. You've, I mean, Obama has Illinois, of course. That's his home state. Uh, Michigan and Ohio at this point are leaning Obama, although I think he pretty much had Michigan solid a couple of weeks ago, which means that Michigan now has perhaps tightened a little bit. Ohio has been a toss-up state. 
that unfortunately has moved against Romney. It looks like they're leaning toward Obama at this point. But again, we'll see. Pennsylvania is not solid blue. That's a huge because Pennsylvania traditionally, going back, I think, all the way back to the 1950s, has been a solid Democratic state. It has it leaning to Obama, but not solid blue. So the only solid blue states actually in the Northeast are New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, not Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, Maryland and Delaware, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island, with New Hampshire being a toss-up. I'm actually surprised at Maine. I thought Maine might be a toss-up or might even lean a little bit toward Romney, but it looks like Romney lost ground in Maine. So this is published by the Washington Post. It is from data that was probably is probably old at this point. And I think that it's safe to say that when it comes to uh, polling in, at this stage in an election, it's really it, it ages very quickly. It's not uh, it's not something that um, that can turn uh, that can turn well. Listen to this. Uh, this is Andrew Sullivan. This was a disaster. Gore blames the altitude. By the way, Gore, it's not, he's not entirely wrong about that. I know it sounds crazy, but um, there are these telltale signs that you can watch during, you know, in the in the lead up to the debate. One of them was that you got a very funny feeling that why is Obama talking to John Kerry of all people? I mean, the guy's a, a, a consummate loser. Uh, but but the other factor was that Mitt Romney, in the several days leading up to the debate, he ensconced himself at a hotel right near the site of the debate. He stayed in his room. He did not go out and do campaigning activity. He 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 rested, you know. He he breakfasted well. He just uh, took care of himself. He had his family around him, you know. He just relaxed and he studied and worked on debate strategy, spent the day working with coaches and and developing debate strategy and resting, you know, just uh, not moving around too much, relaxing, getting used to the atmosphere. I don't think Gore's wrong about that, actually. I know it sounds crazy that Gore's blaming the altitude. The fact is that the day before the election and even the day, I mean, the day before the, the uh, debate and even the day of the debate, Obama was out there in another state. He was out in Nevada, um, visiting, uh, there's a picture of him visiting the uh, the Hoover Dam. I mean, maybe he was making a campaign appearance. You know, he was out there working, and and he, then he flies in on the day of the debate to Denver. And I think that uh, Gore actually might be right. The altitude, the the light atmosphere, Denver is a very high altitude. You know, the atmosphere air there is different. It, the air is lighter. You know, it probably made him tired. You know why? But 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 whose fault is that? Why didn't I mean he was there something so urgent? He probably needed to do an extra fundraiser or something. What was he doing in Las Vegas the day before and the morning of the debate? He should have been doing like Mitt Romney did, hunkering down at a hotel nearby and getting ready and relaxing. You know this is a huge and important event, and uh, you know Obama did he did seem tired. In my opinion, you know, he did uh, seem 
distracted. He didn't. His attitude was like this typical arrogance, the same arrogance that he showed in the 60 Minutes piece. You know, like, who are you to ask me? I'm the president. I decide. You know, it's uh, it didn't look right. It, it didn't fly right, and especially given the fact that he is presiding over a very weak time for this country. You know, and I think that's something that people are aware of. And Mitt Romney did an excellent job of articulating that. You know, we are in hard times, Mitt Romney said. Now, here's a a pretty good source. James Carville, who was a liberal Democrat uh, political advisor going all the way back to uh, Clinton's time, you know, uh, the, 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 what they call the Ragin' Cajun. Uh, this is in the Daily Caller. Carville, Mitt Romney came in with a chainsaw. Add CNN's James Carville to the list of Democrats questioning President Barack Obama's performance against Republican presidential nominee Mitt Romney on Wednesday. In CNN's wrap-up of its debate coverage, Carville, a campaign advisor to former President Bill Clinton, gave Obama's campaign high marks but added that Obama probably didn't go by the playbook his campaign wanted him to. Let's be real, Carville said. They have run a very good campaign thus far. I don't think that President Obama did what this campaign wanted him to do. I think he was off his game tonight. But let's don't go overboard here. It would be like a big sort of pushback. My point is this. President Obama came in. He wanted to have a conversation. It takes two people to have a conversation. Mitt Romney came in with a chainsaw. He's trying to talk to a chainsaw. <laughs> oh, boy. What, what, what are some of the other comments here? Um, this is from, of all people, um, oh, it's Stephanie Cutter, who is uh, Obama's main advisor. She's blaming Lara. I mean, everything, everything but but who, uh, I'll see what, what Chris Matthews, talk about lapdogs, freaks out at Obama. What was he doing? <laughs> tonight wasn't an MSNBC debate tonight, was it? Chris Matthews said after the first Obama-Romney presidential debate concluded on Wednesday night. I don't know what he was doing out there. He had his head down. He was enduring the debate rather than fighting it. Romney, on the other hand, came in with a campaign. He had a plan. He was going to dominate the time. He was going to be aggressive. He was going to push the moderator around which he did effectively. He was going to relish the evening, enjoying it, Matthew said. <laughs> Here's my question for Obama. I know he likes saying he doesn't watch cable television, but maybe he should start. Oh, yeah, sure. In other words, he should be watching Chris Matthews? Oh, yeah, right. That's the problem. <laughs> he needs to listen to Chris Matthews. Maybe I don't know how he let Romney get away with the crap he thought throughout he threw out tonight about Social Security, Matthews complained. Matthews then demanded that President Obama start watching cable news, specifically his program. Ha! Where was Obama tonight? He should watch. Well, not just hardball. Rachel, he should watch you. 
He should watch the Reverend Al. He should watch Lawrence. He would learn something about this debate. There's a hot debate going on in this country. You know where it's been held. Here on this network is where we're having the debate, Matthew said. Oh, brother. If he's going to take his cues from MSNBC, ugh. I mean, anyone who's watched them, I mean, they're going by what seems to me to be a strategy that was coined at the Netroots Nation. That's just a theory of mine. But that strategy is that every time the Republicans say anything, anytime especially Mitt Romney says anything, all you do is stand up and shriek, lying, they're lying, they're lying, no matter what it is, and just drown them out with an accusation of lying. Talk about ugly and simple. And by the way, you know, it's like my, my mother used to say when I was a baby, that one of the first things I remember growing up, I was probably still in the crib when she, you know, how mothers come up with these different little aphorisms. One of the ones that I remember was people in glass houses shouldn't throw bricks. You want to talk about lying? I mean, please. Anyway, but that's what they do. Every time they open their mouth, they're lying. I was so glad to see Romney actually call, call some of these things out. You know, when, when, when Barack Obama, who probably believes this crap, he was like, oh, well, Mitt Romney wants to raise taxes by $6 trillion, or some nonsense like that. And Romney turned to him and said, that's just nonsense. That's inaccurate. Romney is so polite. <laughs> you know, but, but it's like, no, not so. I mean, you know, can you show me any evidence of that? He, I think he completely put Obama on his heels. Anyway, back to uh, to Chris Matthews here. Um, oh, he should be listening to Chris Matthews. That's his problem. Romney, need, Obama needs to watch MSNBC. <laughs> we have our knives out, Matthews said, admitting his network is trying their best to defend Obama and his policies. Isn't that something? We go after the people and the facts. You're right. What was he doing tonight? He went in there disarmed. He was like, oh, an hour and a half? I think I could get through this thing. And I don't even look at this guy. Whereas Romney, I love the split screen, staring at Obama, addressing him like prey. He did it just right. I'm coming at an incumbent. I got to beat him. You've got to beat the champ, and I'm going to beat him tonight. And I don't care what this guy, the moderator, whatever he thinks, is he he is because I'm going to ignore him, Matthew said. What was Romney doing? Matthew asked. He was winning. If he does five more of these nights, forget it, Matthews added. Obama should watch MSNBC. My last point. He will learn something every night on this show and all these shows. This stuff we're watching, it's like first grade for most of us. We know all this stuff. <laughs> so there you have Chris, Chris Matthews offering a solution, offering a piece of advice to the President of the United States, which is watch him. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we got uh, Dave Johnson coming up, progressive blogger, um, author of articles which appear on Huffington Post, um, the uh, seeing the forest from the trees dot com, 
will be up with us in the second hour, in the Cyber Station hour. Um, my blog, again, is up on the Chuck Moore Speaks blog. It's called It's All Over. This comes from my late great mentor, Jerry Williams, the great talk show host. He used, I remember during several elections, I, I think it was when um, – uh, when, uh, not when Carter was running against Reagan, but it w- was when um, Mondale was running against Reagan. And he was like, it's over. Forget it. And a caller would call up and he'd say, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Nope. Forget it. It's all over. Well, Jerry, wherever you are, you were right. And this this could exactly apply today. It's all over. It's over. Obama's finished. He is, Mitt Romney is going to win this next election by a landslide, I think, but certainly by a substantial polarity. Just watch. It's over. It's all over. You're welcome to join me, Chuck Morse, 347-327-9849, 347-327-9849. As we launch into the second hour of the program, of course, Chuck Moore Speaks airs Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m., and in hour number two, we'll be joined by Dave Johnson, progressive blogger. Dave specifically wanted to come on and talk about the aftermath of the first debate, and I can hardly wait to see what Dave has to say. So please stay tuned for that. Again, Chuck Moore Speaks. Join the program, 347-327-9849, or you can email me directly, and I'll read your email on the air, at number 4 at gmail.com. Please stay tuned. Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as I emanate from Boston. You're welcome to join the program, 347-327-9849. That number again, 347-327-9849. You can email me at number 4 at gmail.com. Check out my blog today on Chuck Morse Speaks. It's all over, in the words of my mentor, the late great Jerry Williams. It's all over. On that note, let me welcome aboard Dave Johnson, progressive blogger, writer for Huffington Post, 
uh, the author of the blog, Seeing the Forest from the Trees. Dave, how are you? Wait a minute, Dave. I have to click something here. There we go. All right, Dave, how are you? I am good. I don't think it's all over, although I'll tell you I'm not happy today. It's all over, Dave. Uh, Well, I don't think it's all over because I don't know that anything has changed yet. We'll see what the polls say. And remember, there's three more debates. One is the vice president. There's two more presidential debates. And, you know, some of us think this may have been part one of a three-part strategy by the Obama campaign. And we'll see. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Well, yes. I mean, let's. I wonder if if somebody thought that this was a good strategy. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I think that well, uh, Michael. Yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, Michael Moore, I think, had it right when he observed that um, the first mistake Obama made was to have John Kerry there coaching yeah. him. Holy mackerel! Well, I, I replied to that. I said, "Well, that's because Michael Dukakis turned him down." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's right. And you know, the reason that I say, look, these are stylistic matters, but yes. The reason I say it's all over is that I think that Barack Obama was really exposed last night in that it gets to a basic issue. And this is my opinion. You 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 certainly are obviously entitled to disagree here, Dave, but I think that Barack Obama is one of these politicians who has never really had to face opposition in his public life, maybe even in his private life. In other words, he's always been surrounded by a syncopatic group of yes people, people who tell him how wonderful he is, people who kiss his foot. You know, and I'm not saying this necessarily because you could have the same problem with someone on the right, too, by the way. I'm not, this isn't even an ideological matter. And also he has been surrounded by an adoring press that will not really dig too deeply. They don't criticize too much. They don't look into him. They just... They kind of prop him up, and I think that's been especially true this election. Even most people will admit that. I mean, it's more than just partisan. They are trying to pull him over the finish line. And what happened was that he then, for the first time maybe in his entire public career, he had to walk out on the stage alone, man-to-man, with an opponent who was not going to be there to protect him, but who took him on in a real pitched battle. And it didn't look right. I see it very differently. I see it that Obama is always very accommodating of the other side, always. He, he, our complaint with Obama has been things like he pre-negotiates. The stimulus was what he said. It was one-third tax cuts, he said, because he, was, he wanted to attract Republican votes, he said. Never right. even occurred to him he might not get any Republican votes no matter what he offered. Uh, other things like that. And last night he kept saying, well, here's where Mr. Romney and I have common ground and all those sorts of things. And even on Social Security where they have no common ground. So that's that's what we're wondering about. But as I said, this could be the first step of a three-step rope-a-dope campaign where he let Romney just run with it. I don't know that. And I, I have don't. indications. I have indications both ways. I was on a call with the campaign, a press call earlier today, and they said it, they almost said it never occurred to them that every single position of Romney's in the debate would be different from everything Romney has said up till now. Now, or that Romney would say things that just weren't true. They said it, it, they said it as if they were saying that hadn't occurred to them. Now, 
I know that had to have occurred to them because that's who Romney is and what he does. So that's what makes me think that this was the first in, in, a, in a strategy. The first strategy was to just keep quiet, to certainly not give the, the angry black man impression that, that they, you know, that one part of the right is looking for, and to just let Romney say the things he said and come back later. And we'll see if that's what it is, because almost everything Romney said was either a contradiction of something else he said or just made up. And we're All going right, to see, we, we're we going to to see if, that, if that can be dealt with as a country or not, because it's just kind of stunning. And a lot of people are like a little bit shocked by what they saw last night on both sides. That's for, that's for sure. <clears throat> we'll take a brief break. I'll be all right. Hour number two. Glad you're <laughs> all right. Horse speaks. Thank you. You're I was welcome. Ready, to join I was getting ready to host the show. Well, you <laughs> might have to if I keep that up. Three four seven three two seven nine eight four nine. By the way, I should welcome aboard our affiliate stations: WWPRAM in Tampa Bay, Florida; KSKQFM in Ashland, Oregon; Stitchers, uh, which is of course an, uh, an app which you can download and listen to the program anywhere. We're also on TuneIn. And apparently we're on this Apple program. What, what is it? iTunes? You know. So is that? Oh, it's on Apple Radio. That's interesting. Yeah. Good. I know. And I, I mentioned to my my daughter, who who's a big Apple fan. You know, she was looking at iTunes. I said, "Why don't you put my show in and see what happens?" And she did. And sure enough, up it came. Hey, you <laughs> know, I'm gonna impressed. I'm gonna take an aside here and make a pitch because I have an iPhone, yeah. and I just got the new one made by Slaves. And you know, people listen. This show's available. Internet radio is available anywhere you are now over those oh, yeah. things. So you ought to look at how to listen to this show because that's where things are going. That's right, Dave. Thanks. And, and you know, there are sure. some big players, by the way, who, both on the left and right, who are now jumping into Internet. One of them is Steve Malsberg, who is a longtime New York WOR uh, host. I think he was let go there recently. And he's hopped up online, and apparently he's going gangbusters. And on the left, you have Lionel, who is also doing really well. He's got a, uh, I think Jim Hightower too on the left, who's right. doing an internet show. So you've got, you know, it's definitely the benefit to it is that you don't have to answer to people as much. You you kind of can do your own thing, and it's a, uh, you know, it's very liberating. It's it's you, really a you great, mean management, right? I mean, yes, I do. Yeah, you don't have to answer <laughs> it, to man. When Clear Channel tells you you have to be for Romney, you don't have to do it, right? Yeah, no, or, or 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 vice versa. I mean, or Revolution Radio. If you support Romney, you're gone. But yeah. anyway, and I've so dealt with that. The, I've got a question. Now, back, you back, think, to the, back to the deal. I mean, do you, you know, think this will move the polls? Yes, I think it's. I think it's over. Um, well, I think that the issue that people what what people saw was a clear difference in ideology between two candidates. I think Barack Obama exposed himself as a man of the left, which, of course, I think left-wingers would be thrilled over. I didn't but, see that at all. Oh, I did. But, the, but, the, but, but it's not something that resonates with mainstream America. And Chuck, you, th you think Ronald Reagan's a man of the left? No, I do not. 
<laughs> Reagan was a true conservative. No, look, I mean, I, I think that you – know, also, I think Mitt Romney really was finally th- – looked really happy and pleased over the opportunity to call on some of the lies that have been promulgated about him. Obama, I'll name a couple of them. Thank you. Obama was mouthing some of these same sort of charges that I've been hearing on this program over the past couple of years, particularly this campaign. You know that Romney is going to raise taxes by trillions of dollars. I don't remember the exact figure. That Romney is going to move factories to China. That Romney is going to you know, make a sweetheart deal with the communist Chinese. And there was a couple of others like that that, that have become kind of stock cliches by All the right, let's, Democrats. Let's, let's and Romney turned those. around. Wait a minute. Romney turned right. around and said, no, I'm not. That's well, not hey, true. I, I, and Romney, that. was very pol- Romney was very polite about it. I mean, Romney didn't come out and say, you're lying. Instead, that he very politely but firmly said, those charges are inaccurate. I am not planning on raising taxes. Okay, I am not. I don't there. have part of my agenda this idea of um, you know. And then he, at the same time, Obama contradicted himself by saying, "You're also going to cut taxes." And Romney well, said, "No, I'm not going to cut taxes if it adds to the deficit. I will, you know, th- that would depend upon the how the economy is doing." Which I right. think is a pretty conservative position. Start. Let's start with the taxes and move to China. Sure. Which Romney plans to do to all our jobs. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, okay, I'll give you a second there to respond. All right. He started out by saying that Romney's promising to do something about deficits, yet he starts with a $5 trillion tax cut on top of letting the Bush tax cut stay, and he adds a tremendous amount to the military budget and several other things that Romney does. Well, wait, before, let me just wait, 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 let me he just even quickly. starts on deficit reduction. Yeah, but where that's did you come Obama up with the $5 trillion dollar figure? Where, where did you come up with that? Because that's well, what Romney said no. He says we're no. having a 20% across-the-board tax cut over when? 10 years. Go to, his, it, go to Romney's website. It well, says yeah, but wait a minute. 20% you're not, first of all, you're not putting cut. that into context. He said that right, it would let me do it. Let me do that. Well, the wait a minute. No, let me let me put Romney Romney context is that he will make it revenue neutral and right. that he won't cause any loss of revenue because he will get rid of deductions and things like that. And that's where the math comes in. If you look at that, that's 200 billion dollars a year. So he has to find 200 billion dollars a year in offsets. This is, by the way, before the corporate tax cut, where he cuts corporate taxes by a third. Which we'll they get both to that agree. in a minute. Yeah, they we'll both get agree to that on that. In a minute. Yeah. But that he's cutting tax cuts, taxes across the board by 20%. Now, first of all, what is he going to – 20%, $200 billion, then he has each year – no, it's more than that – but – he has to find that much in offsets, in tax deductions and things like that. And if you do the math, he can't. But if you do the math in any way you do it, when he gets those offsets, those offsets hit people who aren't millionaires. All the offsets hit people who are not millionaires, that, like the home mortgage deduction. Which now he, wait a minute, Dave. He did so not. There aren't Romney was any very other clear. big deductions. Yeah, but That's wait a minute. Point. First of all, Dave, you're you're basically doing the same thing that that, frankly, Obama did during the debate, which Romney has refuted. So we can have 
Wait, one I'll, side. Romney wait a minute. refuted it by saying, no, I won't, but he won't no, say he what he will say do. No, he didn't say no, he won't. And if you look at said, the math, the yes. only place that no, you no, no, can no, do Dave, something what? like that then is he the won't home be doing reduction. It. Then he will not be doing it because Then how does said, he do his 20% tax cut? He said because he said regarding the 20% tax cut that it would be contingent upon two things. Firstly, it would be contingent upon ensuring that any tax cut does not add to the deficit, and secondly, it would be contingent upon growth in the economy generally, so that such a tax cut can be supported in a manner that actually results in revenue staying the same, because there'll be more earners having jobs. And paying taxes. Well, that's now so listen, that's Dave. Now wait a minute. the old Reagan Dave? argument that tax and, cuts and, and it worked very well for Reagan, by the way. Reagan put that right. need and on now the we have huge now, deficits and huge debt. Yeah, now we do. Now we do. But as the point result, is that, yeah. yeah, and Reagan also overspent on defense and said so at the time. He said, if and that's it, if what, it comes to, that's what and Rob I agree with you on that. He said, if too. it comes to national security versus a, a federal deficit, I'm going to choose national security. Reagan was honest about that. But, look, the fact is that Romney put this not only in context last night during the debate, but he has always said this, and it's been no, in the he, language. And, yes, he has. I've heard him say it in other interviews. Not last so. I've heard, no, no, Dave. I heard him say it several times in interviews that any kind of tax cut is contingent upon the two factors that I mentioned, which is a very conservative policy. No one's going to get tax cuts unless, you know, look, he is running under the assumption that by increasing growth and by reducing regulation and by reducing, you know, creating a more pro-business atmosphere in this country, there's going to be more income, there's going to be more capital accumulation, and the result is that there's going to be more tax revenue, which is exactly what happened in the 1980s. And then once that no, happens, that you can – wait a minute. That yes, did it did happen. And you can have a tax cut. But, you know, we, we could go around the, around the merry-go-round on this, Dave, but the fact is that Romney explained it and put it into the proper context. He's not going to do – an automatic 20% tax cut at all. Any kind of tax cut, as he said, is contingent upon whether or not the economy can absorb it and whether or not the budget can absorb it. It's that simple, and he explained it well. And but, I think that he basically put aside this myth that he is calling for this flat tax cut, and he has said it many times. I have heard it. It's on his website without the other part. It's right no, there. No, no, he's, but he's, okay, he's said it in question. several so, interviews. So if it's contingent on these things that can never happen, he's just making it up. What, what side is he making up? He's saying, Wait a so minute. now he's saying that, okay, we won't do it if it would cause a deficit. But of course it will cause a deficit, which means not he's not going to do it. Not if there's an increase in economy, not if there's more jobs, not if more people are making money, it won't. You know, but the that deficit, doesn't happen. Tax cuts don't cause that. They never have in history. Yeah, but the tax cuts are coming at – wait a minute. This is a matter of timing. He was saying that the tax cuts happen after the fact. Once right. you after, have a situation, after we don't have a deficit anymore, right? No, no. After you have a growth in the economy that can absorb not only the tax cut, but can also uh, it can absorb but, it because there's an increase in revenue to the government. His plan to grow the economy is tax cuts. So no, if you can't have the tax cut to the economy grow. No, his plan, his plan to, grow to grow the economy, the economy is to get rid of no, 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 no. He didn't to grow the answered, economy. What is it? Dave, he answered that question. His plan to grow the economy is to get rid of onerous costs, mainly unfunded mandates, and the one he's going to start with is Obamacare. He was saying that you know the Obamacare 
he argues, and I think that the most people, according to most polls I've seen, agree with this. I mean, that, you know, it's more than 50 percent that the Obamacare tax increases that are going to be kicking in next year and the year after when they start kicking into the individual are going to result in a, contra- in a contraction, not only in companies hiring so, people, but companies expanding. So his claim, and he said it, wait a minute, he said it last night clearly, was that by getting rid of Obamacare, by restoring the $815 billion to Medicare, and by allowing the states to do like Massachusetts did, which is to create their own health care systems, He's going to start the process of, of reducing the deficit. And, and, and then he mentioned a few other joking things. One of them in particular caught the interest of the media, which was that he said he wants to get rid of the funding of NPR, which is tiny. I mean, we, we know tiny. that. But yeah. nevertheless, mm-hmm. it's just an example that he gave where basically he said something that, Dave, I would think you of all people would agree with, which is that any, any, any agency that is not essential that's being paid for by borrowing from China is going to be reduced or eliminated. That's what okay. he's talking about, not not cutting taxes or raising taxes, but actually streamlining the government. And that's what he did, by the way, in Massachusetts. Now let's just look at what you just said. He's going to restore that $716 billion to Medicare. Right. Right. Okay. So that's another $716 billion he adds to the deficit, right? No, it's not added. It's there already. That's already been earmarked. The point is that Obama didn't take – wait a minute, Dave. Obama didn't cut that from the budget. What he did was he transferred it into this Obamacare Oh, no, he didn't. That is oh, yes, ridiculous. He did. Of course and not. He also, and he also did it by cutting people's benefits. And I think Romney clearly mentioned that. That's uh, just, and, of course he didn't. That's just – and that – every fact checker that's looked at this has said that's just a lie. No, it's flat out $815 billion? I think that Obama's campaign has admitted that. They simply the justify it by saying... $715 billion comes out of cost savings on insurance programs and no, on it comes hospital out of cutting benefits. payments and fraud and things like that. Not yeah, most of it comes benefit. out of cutting benefits, Dave. It comes okay, out what of benef- cutting- Tell me what benefit gets cut. Come on. People's hip replacement surgery is being cut. So you're I know somebody who had won't get hip replacements because of this. That's right. They won't because the Obama. That's out of the 815 billion. There are other. There are other things that people who paid into the system their entire life are not going to get that they had previously been told they'd be getting. You How know, come Romney's is, not saying that? He did say it. Oh, he said it comes out of benefits. He never said anything about hip replacements. No, but he, not specifically. But he did say that it's going to come out of. It's going to mean that people's access to health care that they had previously expected and had paid for out of their paychecks are going to be curtailed. He did say that clearly. So you, I mean, you actually one believe that the Democrats are cutting yes. Medicare benefits and yes, that the Republicans are. are trying to several, preserve Medicare yes, benefits? Yes, I've heard it from several people on Medicare that they're no, not getting the same when benefits. Paul previous. Ryan says that Medicare is a socialist collectivist program that he wants to turn – into a private insurance program. Then he comes out and says he's for preserving Medicare fully. Mm-hmm. Which one is well, it? That has nothing, this has nothing to do with Paul Ryan. We're talking about Romney All here. Right. And Romney, Romney by the way, was very successful in running. the Republican budget, which is called the Ryan budget, and the no, Ryan no, no, budget. No, no, no. Romney answered that. 
This is where the Romney, vouchers Romney come answered in. answered that question right out of the bat when sitting this, with Paul Ryan at, this at 60 Minutes. This is where minutes, the vouchers come in. No, no, no. When when he was asked while he was sitting with next to Paul Ryan at, at 60 Minutes, I saw this interview right. when I think it was Bob Schieffer or one of those guys, are you going to be embracing the Ryan plan? And Romney said, no, I'm not. We're going to have the Romney plan. And then last night, what was that discussion of vouchers last night about then? In well, which that, Romney defended that, that part that part of the plan, which is the which is the um, Ryan Wyden plan. <laughs> Sorry about that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running the board here, you know, so you have to be. Yeah, you know what happens is my head starts going up and down and up and down, and that makes my neck hurt because I'm old. So. Anyway, but Dave, the, mu- let's, the music's let's, still all right. So let's let's move on. Let's let's go on to the more general China. issues. Let's go to China. All right, let's talk about because I think that Obama's response to China was symptomatic of his entire problem during that debate. You know, he stood up there, and by the way, I don't necessarily agree with all these people who are saying that Obama did poorly, didn't look good. I thought he looked fine. Oh, you know, I, I thought, well, I mean, look, I didn't, I, I, didn't <laughs> I didn't really notice that too much. I mean, my daughter said so, but I mean, I thought he seemed like himself. He was. This is who he is. But putting one that aside, the, one of the Obamas we know that yeah, it, it's yeah right. Uh, he talked glowingly about how all these wonderful things he's going to do. He's going to challenge the Chinese in their in their cheating. He's put forward a program to do that. He's yeah. going to yeah. He did like two weeks ago. He's, no, he's going been to doing do. It. First no, no, he hasn't. Had the, China has had, had higher tariffs. We had the steel. No, no, no. China, Dave. China has had a, has increased the trade deficit hugely yep. under the Obama administration. They have not. Obama hasn't done a damn thing until recently. The point I'm making here, Dave, is that he spoke glowingly about all these wonderful things he's going to do, but it seems to ring hollow because he's been in power for four years. We've had Why the hasn't largest. he done it? Why, why is it all of a sudden now he's starting to talk about it? Why should anyone believe that? Because we've had the largest number of filibusters in history to block the things he tried. And I'll give you That's one not. example. There's a bill that was called the Bring, Job, Bring Jobs Home Act. And it's the bill that eliminates these tax incentives to move a factory out of the country. And it eliminates the tax incentives to use a middleman to uh, you make something in China, the company buys it, the company has an intermediary like in, let's say, Cayman Islands that buys it from China at a very high price so that the company there makes the huge profit, same company. Mm -hmm. Then they sell it in the United States for a tiny bit over what they bought it from China for, so there's no profit. And then in the United States they have no profit, so there's no American tax. Right. The taxes would all be in these countries, but they don't have taxes. So that's that's the, one of the big ruses they use. And we'll get to Romney's taxes on that now that we know what he does. But but that Bring Jobs Home Act, okay, was, was I think three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, was filibustered by the Republicans, okay? Filibustered. They blocked it. That's another example. No, they both, it, was by, it was rejected by, by, by bipartisan No, it was a filibuster. Members. It was a filibuster. There might have been one Democrat that voted on the Republican side, one of these Southern Democrats. But well, I, you know, first of all, I mean, I have no idea blocked. what was in that bill. But right. I thought and there was one thing yeah. that Romney said that was quite apt, and I think this 
this resonated with me, and I think it resonates with a lot of people, and it comes down to really who's telling the truth, whether it be Obama or John Boehner and the Republicans in Congress. Both of them have conflicting stories, and I suppose we can't totally know which is telling the truth, but the fact is that you're right. There's been a gridlock in Washington. Mitt Romney is taking Boehner's side on it and saying that uh, Obama refuses to make deals with the Republican House. And um, he pointed to, I think quite accurately, the fact that other administrations, they have done that. I mean, uh, Bill Clinton is an example. Bill Clinton would meet with Newt Gingrich, at the White House, and they would spend hours together hashing over bills and compromising and coming up with uh, agreements that... Remember the health care bill? Remember well, how that they one, sat you mean Hillary's that Senate committee that? with those Republicans for well, months Well, no, wait a minute. The health, Hillary's health care bill was rejected by the no, Democrats. No, not under Clinton, under Obama. Oh, that under Obama. Well, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me get... was negotiated with Republicans for month after month. They gave concession well, after wait a minute. concession. That was when Nancy and then Pelosi after the Republicans the House, got everything they wanted in those negotiations, they said, we're going we're gonna to block this. And they anyway. were right to. That was a bad idea. But it was Nancy Pelosi was Speaker of the House. But look, but they, last night, wait, point, last wait night in the face. debates, Romney said that Obama, Obama just forced through his health care bill. Now, no, it he was did. negotiated for months over after months with the objection of a conservative they kept Democrat. giving Republicans what they wanted and what they wanted and what they wanted yeah, it wasn't in those even Senate Republicans. committees. And then after they got everything they wanted, the Republicans said, we're going to block it anyway. No, 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 Dave. First of all, Republicans in the Nancy Pelosi Congress were a great minority. The this reason was that the it Senate. was blocked when anyway was because... they were negotiating the health care bill. No, no, no. The, the reason it was blocked was because of conservative so-called blue dog Democrats. They, they're the ones that, that weren't on board. That's why the thing had problems. But my point earlier is that... You're saying there were that, Republicans who voted for it? No, none of them did, because they okay. rejected but, but In neither the did, Senate, neither they did negotiated, a block, neither they did negotiated a with Republicans, and it was the Blue Dog Democrats who were negotiating with the Republicans. Yeah, but they rejected it, and ultimately Obama had to basically, frankly, pay off some congressmen to get the thing over, like uh, what's her name from Louisiana, the Louisiana Purchase, and and Ben Nelson from from Nebraska, he gave his whole state an exemption. You know, there was all these deals made. But look, I was talking before about the fact that uh, Clinton worked with Gingrich. We could take a look at how Reagan worked with Tip O'Neill. I mean, that, Tip O'Neill was a very partisan liberal Democrat. They would get together and work out issues, and they moved. The agenda forward. I mean, this is what you know. Good presidents do. Eisenhower worked with Eric, with Dirksen, uh, with Everett Dirksen, who was a Democrat. I mean, we could go back in history. John Quincy Adams worked with Henry Clay. And, and tell I mean, me the so, point is that Obama has not worked with Boehner. He has not been respectful toward the situation. He has not contacted them because he was calculating that in order for him to run for re-election, he would run against the Republican Congress. Now, that's Boehner's side of the story. Obama's side of the story is, well, the Republicans wouldn't work with me. And I think what it comes down to is which side you believe. We don't well, totally know. Well, we have a few things. One of the things but we, we have But we do is... know that Mitt Romney, on the other hand, and I was very pleased to see Romney finally come out and not only own the fact 
that he was governor of Massachusetts, but talk about it proudly. That made me happy as a citizen of this state. I wouldn't be surprised if he picks up some votes here for that because he had been nervous and skittish about it before. But one of the things he talked about was that he would meet on Mondays, every Monday that he could, with the Democratic Congress, because in Massachusetts, the the House is something like 90% Democrats. And they would come into the office, and I remember this. It was reported in the Globe that they would come into his office and they would spend hours hashing out what was on the agenda, what they were looking at, and they would come to compromises as a way to move the process forward. And I think that that augurs very well for Mitt Romney. That's what the country – I mean, we're all talking about the gridlock and how, you know, there's nothing that gets done. And I think if Mitt Romney can bring that approach to Washington, I think that will move the agenda forward. That will augur very well. Except that that's what Obama tried to do. Now, Not so. Did Obama, call, did Obama call Boehner when he started launching missiles in, in Libya? He called him a week many, later and just told him over the phone, by the way, how we're many doing Republican incumbents, members of the House and Senate, were defeated in their primaries specifically for saying that they would work with Democrats. Well, What's I'm sure senator, that you have people on both sides Bennett on that in one. Utah. Bennett but, in Utah, but, for example, very conservative senator, was defeated in the Republican primary because on one bill he had worked with Democrats. And well, there are that, several examples that, that of wasn't, that. That wasn't the only reason. But the point is that Boehner has said, and again, well, that's right. And, and, Boehner, and look, there are plenty of Democrats who defeated because they weren't far left enough. But the fact no, is that Boehner has said, one. Name a Democrat that I don't know how many this not. time around, but I know that yeah. in the 90s the party was purged of conservative Democrats. Oh, right. I mean, that's what, just what part is of the a rhino? What is this Republican? The same thing, the same thing as a guy like Ray Flynn, who was mayor of Boston and who was a Democrat and who told me personally, because his show used to come on before mine, that he and other conservative Democrats were purged from the party in the 1990s because they were pro life. But the point is that yeah, but Democrats weren't. In fact, they even had speakers at their convention who were pro-life. Not they this put time out, around. Republicans circulated the story that there weren't, but every convention had Democrats who were pro-life. Not this time around. Not every this time around. Every single one. Well, but, name but one that the, name one name one that what was there. What is a rhino, time. Chuck? Explain what, what the they, term I'll rhino. I'll tell you when you tell me the name of a Democrat who was pro-life. I have to look it up. I did some okay, research thanks. on that once, but yeah. they have a rhino else. is Republican in name only. I mean, what there's plenty mean? of those. You know, Dick Lugar. Those are Republicans that Republicans kick out of the party because they work with Democrats. Well, fine, and the Democrats, it's not because they so work with Democrats. don't tell me that it's the liberal. Democrats who won't work with Republicans. No, it's, it's not because they work with Democrats. You're, you're mischaracterizing Don't tell me that no, Democrats Dave, won't I, work with Republicans. I would argue you're mischaracterizing that. It's because they take liberal positions that are contrary to uh, conservative fiscal uh, Republican approaches. Usually they vote for tax increases. It's not that they're working with Democrats. There are plenty of Democrats who are conservative. Now, again, this comes down to... The president's word against against Boehner's in terms of why there's gridlock, I think that Mitt Romney is a much more conciliatory person. He is somebody who will work with, with both sides and call them out when when they don't. And, uh, you know, to but my last way night he thinking, said he would never allow any tax increase no matter what. He did not. He did. Romney he accused it. him of that. I mean, uh, I mean Obama no, accused him of it. In the debates he said he would never allow any tax increase. He said that last night. Eh, I don't. I didn't hear that. And yeah, if he did, right. I congratulate him. But I didn't hear. That. <laughs> okay. 
Because let's believe me, the China. government does not let's need more taxes. Let's get back to China, because right now there's a town in Illinois called Freeport, Illinois, and there's a company there. The name of the company is Sensata, and it's they bought it. Bain Capital bought it from Texas Instruments. This plant in uh, Illinois, they immediately closed, and they're moving everything to China. Right. And when the, workers have, the workers have set up a tent city outside of the factory, and they call it Bainport because this is in Freeport. And they are trying to block the Bain trucks that come in to take the equipment to move it to China. Bain doesn't they're have asking Mitt Romney to come step in and show that he's against this sort of thing and ask Bain to keep those jobs in the United States, and Romney has refused. Well, Dave, what kind of company is this? Sensors. They make sensors that are especially for auto companies. So it's a crucial component of the American auto supply chain that China is trying to take over. The auto well, industry. I mean, look, this is this is a systemic problem in the economy. I can't blame Bain for it. There's a big company in Florida that apparently is a major Obama supporter that that creates uh, medical uh, devices that is also completely moving to China. Right. I mean, you cannot. This is a has Bain has Romney you know, shown up and asked them not to do this. Has Obama showed up in any company that's doing it? He's the president. Lots of he's got Look this whole it, initiative really. about bringing, bringing jobs back to the United States. Yeah, yeah he but he hasn't actually has he done, has he done anything to affect policy to make it more difficult for companies to do it in his four oh, years yeah, as president? Whole, in fact, just two weeks ago, the they, Commerce and Labor Departments together launched something called the Make It in America Challenge, where they have several million dollars worth of grants that they give to companies if they meet certain uh Specifications for I, bringing jobs home, all kinds. I mean, of like Solyndra. No, look, Dave. I mean, two weeks ago, this is already four years into an administration, and Obama hasn't done anything to change policy with China. If China okay, now okay. has, during his four years, China has not only increased the trade deficit, but they've continued to devalue their currency deliberately, by which undermines American currency. And Obama yep. has done a damn thing. Now, all of a sudden, two weeks you know, before, you know, oh, a no, few he's weeks done a lot before. Of no, he has not. He hasn't done a damn thing. Four weeks they have, before they the have election. A, what you would call a Cesar for manufacturing strategy, a guy named Blue. Oh, really? And what's he done? He's done you know, quite a bit. You know, Dave, I mean, I would think that you, you would be the first person to criticize this. I mean, the, the reason you're not is for partisan reasons. No, I but am the fact I'm is very that critical you have. I'm very critical that Obama will not declare China a currency manipulator. Right, and he has not done do. anything to reduce China, the right. China so trade imbalance. Wait. Now, in response to that, there is a bipartisan bill that overwhelmingly passed the Senate to deal with currency manipulation. It has more than 60, I think it's up to 69 co-sponsors in the House, which means it would immediately pass, but Boehner will not bring it to the floor. And those 69 Republicans will not sign a, what's called a discharge petition to bring it to the floor. And most importantly, Romney refuses to ask Boehner to bring that bill to the floor. They could fix that problem right now. So both Obama and Romney aren't doing anything about this. But Romney, all his campaign talk is nothing. If he won't tell those Republicans to sign that discharge petition or ask Boehner to bring that bill to the floor. If he says he's against mm. currency manipulation, there is a bill that bipartisan bill, overwhelming support for it, 93% support in the polling of the public, and Romney 
won't won't ask them to do anything. Either. Well, we have to ask. We have well, to Obama ask. Obama has why. said he'd sign it. Obama has said he'd sign it. Well, that's easy for him to say that, knowing it's mm-hmm. not going to come to his desk. And we'd have to ask exactly why Romney won't do it. I don't know what's in the bill. I haven't read it. There might be. I'm sure there's a reason. I don't think it's because he's against well, ending China's policy. It's got policy. overwhelming support among Republicans too, by the way. Well, in fine, the Senate I mean, and in the House, but they won't bring it up for a vote. Here's why. There's one group has said they're opposed to it, and it's one of the big money groups in this election. It's called the Club for Growth, and that's mm-hmm. Wall Street money. And why are they opposed? Because it's Wall Street. Wall Street doesn't want – Wall Street's dramatically benefiting from this shift of jobs to China, the dramatic lowering of our wages in this country, the financing of stuff well, in China. No, the, Dave, by the way, look, if, at, if you look try- at this is the manufacturing versus Wall Street battle, and Wall Street's been Understood. winning. I understand. And Romney but that's not, comes out of Wall Street. No, no, Romney that's does not come out of Wall Street. Come on, I, I, think Obama, I think Obama is a classic creature of Wall Street. He got more but Not donations. Obama, Geisner. <laughs> no, well, whoever. Don't Obama, forget Obama more, appointed Elizabeth Warren, And, and also, too. Wall Street is not necessarily re- Republican or Democrat. It's not necessarily liberal or conservative. I would argue that most of the biggest holders of wealth in this country, the top 1%, are overwhelmingly liberal and Democrat. But putting that aside, well, and they, I, my they proof already on, put up some I, money to help this, then. Well, my <laughs> proof on been. that is the uh, Forbes magazine, Top 100 Wealthiest People in America. You see, if you take a look at that list, most of those people are liberal Democrats. The rest of them, there's a couple of Republicans in there, like the Koch brothers, and the rest of them, we can't tell whether they're, you know, which side they're on. But, but the point is that you have the same sort of a combination of liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans, who pushed through the NAFTA and GATT agreement, and which Bill Clinton signed in 1992, and that basically created Clinton then went on to give China most, most favored nation trading status in 1998. Actually, Clinton set it up and Bush did it, but yeah. No, 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 Clinton Bi- signed it in 1998. No, yeah, but the top Clinton, levels of our government, it's entirely for the That's Pluto right, Prince. and Clinton fought yeah. for it and signed it into law in 1998. And the point is that you've got those same people that are probably stopping this bill You know, you might have some people who make some noise, like Barack Obama saying, oh, yes, I would definitely sign this, when he knows that he doesn't have to because it's never going to go to his desk. That's just political posturing. This is a much deeper problem than just partisan politics. It is this whole that our sort of a free trading, I would argue, liberal establishment has on our politics and have had for many, many decades. And you and I, Dave, are on the same side on this. The only difference is that I do view these people as liberal leaning, and you probably think they're more conservative. But the fact is that, yeah, I think they make so much money. They're not liberals or conservatives. A lot of them, they'll just pay whoever's ready to do what they want. Yeah, and I think that generally the biggest wealth wealth controllers in this country tend to be liberal people and liberal corporations. Dave, I want to shift gears a little bit here as well. I thought that it was a great thing to see Mitt Romney bring up Sarah Palin's death panels. That was a death great panels. moment. Good yes. Lord. The, the whole death <laughs> the, the original. The I original wish that he had gotten panels. into it more. I the original had... death panels was that the government would put up money so that older people could consult on their options as That's they get. That's not the only thing, Dave. Towards that, the, the end death of their panels, life. That was the familiar? original one. And no, Sarah no, no. Are you familiar with the quarry scores? The now, C-O-R-I? that moved. That migrated to this idea that there are that there are 
I think this one was when they talked about the panel of medical professionals yeah, that would panel, look at the exactly. optimal practices. That's right. And Obama, are you familiar with the Corey scores? No. All right. Well, the Corey scores. I will scores, be if you remind me. Thank you. The Corey scores are something that every single American man, woman, and child is going to get in this country as part of Obamacare, not this year, but coming down the road. And what it is is it's an evaluation of your health based upon computer data information. And when the government, you know, when Obamacare offers to cover uh, health modalities, they're going to look at your Corey score to decide whether or not it's a good investment. Like, for example, if you're a, an 80-year-old woman with cancer, you might have a lower Corey score than maybe a 60-year-old woman who doesn't have cancer. And so you may not be eligible for a certain treatment, whereas somebody else may be. Now, I understand that insurance companies do this, and I condemn that, but they do. But at least when private companies do it, you can get another insurance company, or you can at least have some kind of a recourse. But if you're going to have the government issuing these scores and basically saying, we're not going to give this person the more expensive health care because they're going to die anyways, we're going to give them cheaper health care. Okay. That's, what, that's what's going to happen. That's what this panel is Chuck, all about. They're going to be setting the Corey scores, and Chuck, that's troubling. Isn't the complaint about Obamacare that it mandates that you buy private insurance? That's one of the complaints. And so Obamacare is simply that you have to buy private insurance. It's not government insurance. That's one of the things. And, and There's of course no government it's insurance. insurance in Obamacare. I mean, me Medicare is private insurance. I mean, Medicare, you know, the government. Okay, so you're talking about Medicare. No, not I'm talking Obamacare? about Obamacare. It just expands it. But, yeah, they buy private insurance for sure. Okay, but you're ta you're, since you're talking about elderly people, you're actually talking about Medicare, not Obamacare, right? No, I'm talking about Ob what Obamacare is going to do. But is that older people won't be on Obamacare. They'll be on Medicare. Well, I mean, who's going to be on? I mean, I think I think they're all going to be on Obamacare. Once you're over 65, you go to Medicare. Obama Medicare is a government-run program. Obamacare is simply the mandate that you buy private insurance, and the reason for the mandate that everybody buys it is because Obamacare says insurance companies can't deny health care to anybody because of a pre-existing condition. That's right. all Obamacare is that the insurance companies can't deny you health care, and then to cover the costs of that to, so that people who are healthy don't just pull out of the system and only sick people are in the system, they say everybody's got to get health care. That is all Obamacare is, Romney care, Obamacare, same thing, and, mm -hmm. and Romney's proud of it. That's all well, it is. So how could, how could Obamacare be talking about what happens when it's really private insurance and when you're actually talking about old people. That's the, obviously that's a mistake. Obviously there's no such I thing as Obamacare. So. Look, obviously. I think that uh, – no, I don't think it's obvious. I think that eventually in a probably a scheduled way, Medicare is going to be folded into the Obama system, into the uh, Affordable Health Care Act. Or certainly going to that's, be managed that's by Romney's it. plan is to get rid of Medicare as a government program not and turn all. it into private that's health insurance. True. That is untrue. That's what he said last night that we're going to. He didn't turn. say he was going to get rid of Medicare. He said he's going well, to save if Medicare. You, if you offer private insurance vouchers, then everybody who's healthy, of course, goes to the private insurance, and only the expensive people are on Medicare, and then Medicare goes bankrupt. That's the plan. No, no, that's no. What that's what happened. That's, 
that's not the plan. The plan is to leave to leave Medicare. The Medicare will have to compete with private insurance companies, in which case people then will choose whether or not they want to get the private insurance companies won't take the sick people. They'll refuse the sick people, and the sick people will all be in Medicare. No, because uh, because no, that's that's not true either. Because Romney has said that he supports the the aspect of Obamacare that requires that people be covered with catastrophic illness. But that's and all there is that, in my Obamacare. That's all there is. That's what Obamacare is. It's just no, simply no, that well, you you can't deny anyone insurance if they have a pre-existing condition, and to pay for that, everybody has to have insurance. That's all Obamacare does. The conser- you know, it's actually true, I mean, historically, that if you take a look at the conservative approach to this, it was a program that was actually in place in the 1970s that seems to have disappeared and that's been forgotten on a federal level, and I think it would be better done on the state level, which is basically that insurance companies, and by the way, Massachusetts did this even before right. Romney Care went in, that insurance companies doing business in this state that had proven that they had enough equity to conduct insurance and they should be regulated, they had to take a percentage of their premiums and put it into a state-run fund that would be there to cover catastrophic cases. And that the federal government agreed, this this was repealed, I think, in the 1970s, I don't remember when, they agreed to subsidize that program if it became overextended, and that they agreed to set up a, a catastrophic illness subsidized program that would cost very little to indigent people, if anything, you know, you could spend like three, yeah, three hundred bucks a year, and you get catastrophic coverage that is that's, guaranteed that's by the government. That's what Medicaid is now, yeah, Medicaid. That's why well, when well, you're but old, the point is that it was available to, to, to no, Medicaid. No, Medicaid is for poor people. This was available to everyone who was denied. In other words, if you had a catastrophic illness, and you could show, you could document the fact that you had been denied coverage by more than two insurance companies because of that illness. You then qualified for this state program. Yeah, that exists privately. now. That's part. That's what they put in place about a year ago. That's part of Obamacare. Yeah. No, no, no. This, this. It's an intermediate step before the the whole mandate thing. Yeah, but in. the point is that what that did. In other words, it's back. Yeah, but it left the ability for people to have free function with regard to where they got insurance or even if they had insurance at all. It didn't mandate anything. What it did was simply force private companies to take, I think it was 5% of their profits and put it into this fund that was managed by the state. And if you had a catastrophic illness and you could prove that you were denied insurance twice, then you could you could qualify for this fund. Now, that was, a, I, I think, a fairly conservative program. It didn't require this massive national program with these panels and with the red tape and with these computers gathering all your personal health care information from the time you're in first grade. It didn't require all these things that Obamacare requires, and it didn't require that you had to buy insurance and that if you didn't, the government was going to take $2,000 out of your paycheck every year, not to mention the increased taxes that are going to be incurred against small businesses every time they hire somebody uh, in addition to what they're now paying in terms of matching funds to support the Obamacare program. There's, there's they don't no, require any of those things. There's no taxes on businesses if they're providing insurance. Yeah, but the point is that once they, for every time they hire someone, it costs a lot more, businesses are going to not hire people as much. 
They're not going to expand because they can't afford it. Uh, it, it has, and that's according to uh, the National the the, um, the National Federation of Independent Businessmen. The National Federation of Independent Businesses is funded entirely by a few giant corporations. No, it's funded by its owners. It has nothing to do with small no, no, no. businesses. The national, you know, it that, is funded a, by actually. There was a report last week on NFIB and who they are, and it's the same backers as ALEC Alec. And you can go to nfibexposed.org. I believe that's the URL. All right, fine. I mean, my understanding is the NFIB is a membership group that is funded by businesses that are members, including liberal and conservative businesses. That's not really who it is. No, I I don't know about that. One more of these astroturf groups that make it appear that something they're not. They've been around for 50 years. Yeah, that's an that, old group. Yeah, in fact, I think fifty years. I think that, no, it's not astroturf. They they have. I I actually, Dave, when I ran for Congress, I went to their office in Washington to mm-hmm. see if I could get their endorsement. It's a huge organization. They have a big it building, is. but big it's money. not. They've been around. I think they have a history lobbyists. that goes back to the nineteenth century. I mean, they're not big some phony lobbyists. Group. Oh yeah, they are. They, oh yeah, they I'm, sure I'm sure they have a lobbying arm. They lobby on the part of small businesses. Yes, no, they don't. They, do. they don't. Not small businesses. That's the thing. It's these giant corporations again making they themselves lobby look like they're fine. small businesses. But, uh, all right, if they if they lobby on the part of big businesses, also, I don't have a problem with that. Do big businesses have a right to be lobbied against? Yeah, By but the really, way, it's, they, not, it's, it's a few billionaires who back yeah, Republicans. Bill- it's one good. more of those. No, I doubt, first of all, I doubt if they're Republican. I, oh, I would imagine that people like yeah, people like Warren Buffett and, and people like um, Bill Gates and other left wingers who no, are multi billionaires. No, no, no. Nope. Yes, 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 yes. But I want to ask you something else, Dave. Okay. Since we're running out of time. All right. I've had a change of thinking on the issue of Citizens United. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, did I'm, you know I'm, that eighty percent of the funding of this campaign? Is the result of Citizens United eighty percent of all on the both ads sides. on here? I mean, it's all these sort of you know. Look at Obama has has no piker when it comes to that. I mean, they're all they're all raising money. But the more I think about this, and I don't know how this could be done constitutionally, uh, because constitutionally the the Supreme Court is right. It is free speech, and you know, money is a form of speech. I agree with them on that. But I do think that there is a problem with corporations and unions being involved in politics. They shouldn't be because both of them are ec- strictly economic entities. They should they, they they you know they're both part of the same company. The corporation is the the owners, the managers, the shareholders. The union is the labor. They're in together, they're working for this entity called a corporation. Their purpose is to make money, their purpose is economic for uh, the shareholders. You know, right. That that's right, but yeah. but for themselves and for their shareholders. But the point no, not is for themselves. That, not for themselves. For the shareholders. No, no, it's both. Both are true. The shareholders put in the investment, obviously, so they can exist and expand. But they're also trying to make money for themselves, and the union is trying to make as much money as they can for their members. Right. That is, they're they're economic entities, and as such, they probably should not be involved in politics. They should not be contributing to campaigns and getting people elected. And I actually think that um, if there was a way to do it constitutionally, then corporations and unions should not be make set, not, not only should they not be contributing to campaigns, but they shouldn't be setting up these so-called, you know, soft money groups and these, these education groups that the unions have been setting up since the '60s, and the, that corporations now are starting to set up, that that do these soft 
you know, these soft, kind of soft commercials where they help elect people that represent their interests. They should not have to, they probably shouldn't be able to do that. That doesn't mean that individuals who work for corporations or individual union members can't get involved in politics. But the organizations themselves, being strictly economic entities, they probably shouldn't. And I, I think that in some countries they, they're not allowed to. I think Germany is one of those. Let me, so, I, mean, let me give I don't you know how it can be about. done constitutionally, but... Let me give you something to think about on this, on the constitutionality of it. A corporation, we'll talk about unions. We, I'll let you keep unions in this for a minute, but corporations exist for the benefit of their shareholders, right? And, the, and their employees. Yeah. They're, they're, well, they're no, they don't. They don't. Yes. they don't exist for the benefit yeah, I of their disagree employees. They will, argue, they, they will they, argue that they try to lower their employees' wages for well, the benefit of their employees the include the top, the top level of management, too. Let's I mean, just agree that they do it, okay, for the benefit of the shareholders and the employees. <clears throat> fine. Now, when they give money to a politician, are they doing that for the benefit of their shareholders and employees? Probably, yeah. Well, I would think. if it's just speech, well, then no, they're they not. are they're, because they because they're they're hoping that the money goes to influence yeah. the politician yeah, exactly. to pass laws that if help that corporation. They're doing it for the benefit of their shareholders. Have you ever looked up the definition of bribery? No, I I tend to agree with this, right. Dave. I mean, if they're and, doing and, it for speech, that's different. But if they're doing it for speech, they're violating this idea that they're supposed to be using their money for the benefit of the shareholders if it's just for well, speech. But I, I, if get it's for their I, I get what you're getting at, and that's up, to, that's up to the shareholders. That I mean, triggers the, shareholders. the definition of bribery, and that's why it had to be free speech. But what is this idea of corporate speech? Now, is that allowed if it's not for the benefit of shareholders? Well, look, but if it is for the benefit of shareholders, the it of, is bribery. You know, I just reject. I mean, first of all, it is for the benefit of shareholders to the then extent it's that. Well, I don't. First of all, I don't see how it is. But That's putting the that aside, of bribery. It's an illegal. It's an a bribe. A bribe is an illegal under the cover payment to somebody to get them to do something. Right. In, in, in exchange for some benefit. Yeah, but there's, but there's nothing illegal and under the cover about it, so oh, it's, it's not bribery. If it's done with the expectation of benefit, it's bribery. Says no, so it's not. It's bribery if it's done it says illegally. So Look up the no. definition. The, the definition of bribery is if it's done in secret. If it's done out no, in the no, open no, and no, legally, no. it's not bribery. Oh, no, no, the bribery no, is, 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 is when, when somebody hands you an envelope with cash in it. That's bribery in exchange for you doing something or not doing something. If it's done out in the open, like you have, I don't know, the uh, the National Organization of Women giving money to some group because they want them to support abortion rights, it's not bribery. It's advocacy. It's bribery if it's done under no, the table money, and bribery. illegal. If it's money, no, it's, it's not. bribery. No, it's not, Dave. It's not what, bribery. Chuck, it's an open transaction. It's not I will. Yeah. I will, you'll, Dave. You'll be I will. shocked. It supports yeah. what you were saying a minute ago, but you'll be shocked. It, what we've been well, allowing then, to happen. If it's bribery, then that would apply to all of these left-wing groups. You know, what about these big found, left-wing foundations like the Ford Foundation and the millions of dollars that they're well, giving? They don't give money to politicians. They can't. Well, they, what they do, neither do corporations directly. What they do is yeah, they, they set do. up these and dummy... And they back they, campaigns, too. And yeah, they, they, set up these, they set up these so-called dummy, you know, soft money groups that then do it without directly giving. So, no, they, then, they're then all doing the same your, thing. That meets your definition of doing it in secret, doesn't it? 
No, well, that but isn't that what the National Organization of Women does? I mean, is that what the Ford uh, Foundation does? They set up these sort of turf groups that claim to represent women or represent whoever. They give them $4 million a year, and then those groups then advocate for, for various causes before Congress. But Look, they're not I giving think, money. Yes, they are. Ford gives, Ford gives the National Organization of Women $4 million the a year. Politi- they're not giving the money to the politicians, which is what the companies are doing. No, but no, no they, don't, they actually don't give the money directly to politicians. What they do is they give the money to these groups who then Citizens advocate United, things that help Citizens politicians. United said that it's speech, so they can give money to politicians. Well, fine. But a the, well, second we're talking part about of Citizens is, United set up these super PACs. That, yeah, the and super the thing packs, about the super PACs is we don't even know don't, who's giving the money. Uh, look, but the China. super PACs are not directly giving money. Look at George Soros just wrote a check for $7.1 million to the shadowy group called the... No, one um, million. It was just one million. No, no, to the shadowy group called the Brennan Society. And then they cooked up this phony thing about, uh, you know, people, you know, states trying to make sure that one man, one vote is, is confirmed is racist. Anyway, Dave, we've reached the end of the program. We'll get into Good that another to time. You, Chuck. Good talking to you. <laughs> As always, Dave. Thanks a lot. Sure. I I shall return. Dave Johnson, where can people read your excellent articles? Uh, Ourfuture.org, O-U-R-Future.org, Campaign for America's Future. Thanks a lot. That wraps things up for today. I shall return tomorrow at the usual time, noon to 2. Chuck Moore speaks. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Have a good afternoon. 